to the Mom Empowerment Podcast. This is the place where we help parents live a happy, healthy life with their kids, even when they're experiencing their most challenging behaviors. I'm your host, Dr. Karin Jakubowski, an international speaker, public school principal, and former struggling student. The Mom Empowerment Podcast equips parents with science-based strategies to help you live a happy, healthy life with your kids. Welcome. Do you ever wish you knew what to say when your child is struggling behaviorally or acts unexpectedly? Maybe your daughter yells and is mean to her sister and you've tried everything and you're kind of scared to admit that you feel at a loss. Or maybe you lose sleep at night because your son or daughter is struggling behaviorally and academically at school. Or maybe your son doesn't do their schoolwork and it just gets you frustrated. And then when you're frustrated, then they're frustrated and then nothing good happens, right? Well, I want to share with you something that's helped me handle kids, even in their worst moments. You'll learn how to connect with your child, even when they're doing something you don't want them to do. And it protects your relationship with them, which so often gets strained, right? Or ends up feeling a little broken. And then now what do you do? This recording is from a free webinar I gave recently, and several people asked if I could share it on my podcast. So I put it together here for you. And my hope is that it just inspires you or encourages you or gives you one new thing to learn and practice and try to help your kid the next time they're struggling. This is interesting because this Dr. Ablon, who um, I, I brought him on the podcast, he's on one of the episodes. He's the one I learned this approach from. And he uh, shares that his research has shown that challenging kids really lack a skill and not the will to behave. Because a lot of times you hear people say like, well, that, that kid really does, just doesn't want to. And, and his whole theory and, and idea is that kids do well if they can. And I really believe that. And I, I just now believe that to my core that actually kids do want to do well. And if they're not, then it's up to us to figure out like what, what the problem is. And he teaches us that it's either a skill they need to be taught or a problem to be solved. So it's a very different way of thinking. And that's a very difficult mindset shift to have to change for people uh, because we just think, oh, they're, they're doing it on purpose, right? How many times do we hear people say that? And it's, it's, it's really, they, they actually really want to do well. They really do. Like, it's just incredible to, to think and, and know that I hear from parents, like I'm struggling with, you know, my, you name it, year old kid. Um, another parent was saying like, I have five kids, but when they struggle in school, I don't have the skill set, and they really feel at a loss. Um, mm-hmm. Another parent was like, I can't help my kids. And it breaks my heart. Yeah. Um, my child needs help and I don't know how to help them. Like, so through the years I've, I've seen kids struggle and I've heard parents who really kind of have difficulty navigating that whole area. Um, I even talked to a parent a week ago who was like, my daughter is mean to her younger sister. Like what's going on? What, like she's just at a loss. And I actually invited her to the, this webinar. Cause I'm like, I think I have something that could help you just as you step into like trying to help, because sometimes you do everything you can and you're like, crap, now what do I do, I I've exhausted everything I know. And like, I still have the issue or the concern or the problem. Right. So when I, um, at first, when I taught, uh, however many years ago I, t- I was a teacher, I had kids who like shut down in class and I couldn't like connect with them. I couldn't figure out like what, what made them tick? Why couldn't I like get them out of that funk? I, I never really got to the root of the problem. And, and it just was kind of frustrating. Like I felt like I was just inapt in really helping them. And I, and, and I, I wished I could have known what it would, 
what it was to help them, you know? Um, and so then in Red Clay, I was a instructional support team facilitator in two elementary schools. So they just, it was pretty like much like a child study team, like our IST, I don't know, PST problem solving team, where the teachers would just bring referrals of kids struggling behaviorally or academically, where they felt like they were doing everything they could and it still wasn't helping. So now what do we do? And we would create interventions and track it to see if the supports help them. Um, and and it, it kind of helped to a degree, but we always felt like, like, I just never felt like it really, really got to the root of the issue behind it all until this Dr. Ablon came and spoke to six school districts in Delaware, like 12 years ago. And he taught us this approach. And it, I was just fascinated and intrigued. And it just synced with like what I believe. And because it's a positive behavior approach to discipline, and we're so used to a traditional punitive approach. And so um, then when I, I had a kid in, in first grade, when I was assistant principal, who was like, couldn't sit down, couldn't focus, couldn't do his work, like just could not do this thing we called school. Right. And he, I would tell him I would call his mom and he would almost climb out my window. Like he, he I didn't know what was going on with him. Right. Well, I started using some of these, these strategies and this approach that I'm going to talk about. And I was able to get him to a point to talk about what, what was really happening in the classroom. And then when he would get in trouble, we would um, I would have him draw a picture of what like the expected behavior was in class. And so he and I wrote this book together. So he drew the pictures and I wrote it and he it's called first grade rules because him, there's so many rules in first grade. And the first page was first grade might be more difficult than kindergarten. Like for this kid, it was really hard for him. And um it was just so cool to slowly see some successes with this where I, 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 like you said, it's like, I didn't have that toolkit or that toolbox to like really get me somewhere. And then this picture is really precious. I, over a year ago, um, one of these kids came, the teacher sent him to the office. He was crying. Cause I think he missed out on an award the class got. Cause he probably didn't do his behavior well or whatever. And he was just in pieces. Well, then the other kid was like, let's go do some breathing breaths because we've taught them this with our mindfulness lessons, right? And I was like, okay, you know, to the other kid, like, why don't we just take a minute and like breathe together? Do you want to breathe together, you know, with me? And he's like, no. And for some random idea, I just thought, okay, well, I have a video. So let's watch the video. And he sat down and he watched the video of that. I would create these mindfulness lessons and he did the breathing with it. And then he calmed down and the other kid was, look, he, this is like really great. And I, so to me, the collaborative problem song approach and the mindfulness practices that we've done with kids have been like this like beautiful dual kind of support that I've seen really help kids in incredible ways. Um, so today we were going to learn what to do in the moment the next time your child has a meltdown or acts unexpectedly. I like how someone introduced that to me uh, a while ago where it's like it's a it's an expected behavior or an unexpected behavior. And and that just like connects with me because sometimes we're like that kid, you know, acted in, you know, you know, a horrible way or we don't really know how to describe it. So with kids, it's like easy to say to them, well, that was unexpected. And then they're just like, oh, well, I guess that wasn't really kind of what I was supposed to be doing. Um, and then my number one secret to get your child to talk when they shut down, display an unexpected behavior, et cetera, how to find out from your child what's really going on behind their behavior, because it was just incredible to actually get to the root of why kids were doing what they were doing. And I, I was never able to get that far with anything I'd ever known to address the behavior before um, and how to teach your child to problem solve, which is such a huge skill that we need them to know for life. Like that is one of the most powerful things that's a takeaway from this process because through it, they have to actually practice solving the problem. And then over time, the idea is that they 
really learn how to solve problems on their own, which is what we want them to get competent to do in life. Um, so I just wanted to take a minute and just kind of imagine like your kids thriving at school, socially and academically. I mean, imagine waking up no matter what happened the day before with your kid, um, as difficult or challenging as it was, you wake up and you're, you're able to actually be happy. Imagine your kid opening up to you when they're having a difficult time. Like that would be huge. Imagine when your kid is struggling and you're able to connect with them and help them. I mean, this whole process, I'm so excited about it because I feel like it can empower parents or moms with their kids where, where sometimes we feel like, well, I don't know, maybe my kids like needs a therapist or something, or, or, you know, these days it's so common that, you know, either they get a diagnosis or they have a pill, or we just kind of use that so loosely, I feel. And, and, and really there's some things we could teach kids to really give them skills they're going to need for life and help you as a parent feel like you could actually really help them. Um, and I just love how <laughs> I, I think of sitting in an audience one day, right. And your child gets up to speak in front of all these people. And they say, you know, when I was a kid, I struggled with, you know, going to school and, and, and situations, but my mom helped me. And I'm here to tell you the story like that, how powerful that, that could be. And I believe it can be. And so that's why Obviously, I'm just kind of like super passionate about this whole topic. You want happy, healthy kids. And then just something always seems to get in the way. And things like they shut down when you try to talk to them. Difficulty calming down after something doesn't go their way. Um, anxiety the between ages. Um, so in adolescence right now, the between one, I'm sorry, in every four to five adolescents, at least one of them is diagnosed with a mental health disorder nowadays. And that number one disorder is anxiety. It's so sad. I mean, that just like breaks my heart. Disruptive behaviors at school, not getting along with our peers, lonely, pre-COVID, and kids are struggling with it even more now, um, lacking the connection with classmates or the teacher, or they they won't tell you what's going on. And that's, that's um, really difficult. Or like I said, the parent last week, my child's just mean to their sibling. Like, what do I do? Um, and what's, what's one word or phrase that you would use to describe how that leaves you feeling? There you go. Number one, just like you said, frustrated, discouraged, disconnected, embarrassed, worried, Mm -hmm. sad, disappointed, concerned. Um, so my goal today is just to teach, you know, parents information that, you know, working with your child when they have the challenging moment, homeschool, wherever academically, behavior, socially, whatever it is. Um, but first we have to get through some myths in our head because we, there's beliefs we have and there's things holding us back from changing our mindset because of things that we think that kind of get us stuck. So one of them I was thinking was we, we might say to ourselves, oh my gosh, I just don't have patience. I don't have patience for my kid. I don't have the patience for this. Like, I just can't handle this. I can't do it. But really, like you said, and you actually noticed it and you were aware of it. Like if we can get to that place of of, of calm and not frustration, you actually will be able to be patient with them. And there's a couple pieces to this process that, um, help us get to the place where we can be patient. Um, so like I, when a kid used to flip out in school and we used to like try to remove them right away or talk to them or like, like we would kind of solve the emergency in a moment and it always blew up in our face. And what we realized over time was we just had to actually just stop and give that child their space. And we would still, you know, monitor them, keep them in our eye, eyesight range and our peripheral, but we just had to give that them time to de-escalate on their own. And sometimes it was a minute, sometimes it was five minutes, sometimes it might be an hour, but 
that was a huge point for us to just realize we had to just disengage where so many times we just automatically react. And when you disengage, you actually create that opportunity for an avenue of patience actually to come through. Um, Another myth is my child won't tell me why they did something like, and they'll never admit to it. And so it's hard, you know, with kids, even at school, sometimes they, we hear things that happen and, and they won't admit to it. And then their parent, you know, doesn't really know exactly what happened. And, and that can be really frustrating and difficult as well. We had, we had a, a kid who I forget how they figured out he peed on the wall in the bathroom. I don't, I forget how they figured out like it was him. And I had to talk to him and be like, try to figure out and have him admit it was him. Like we, we believed or thought it was, but I think we had to have a kid own it really. And I used this process with him and I couldn't believe it. The kid actually told me that he peed on the wall, right? When I called his mom, she's like, he, he would never do that. I, you know, da, 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 da. and I was like, um, you know, Sam, whatever his name was, you know, I need you to talk to your mom on the phone, tell her, you know, what happened. And he told her, and she was like, I don't believe this. Like it was kind of hysterical. Like I was laughing inside, but I was like, yes, thank you. Like, cause when they don't admit it, the, the, the parents just like, yeah, right. That that's so not my kid. And I'm like, I, I know, I know this is like totally crazy. Um, so is there a myth that you feel like you relate to, or is there something else that you think that you're like, oh man, like that's great. All, but, but this, it's good to recognize something that we think that might keep us from actually, um, changing, you know, it all just comes down to changing our mindset. Um, so if you taught me all the steps to learn this, yeah, right. Karn, like I would just forget them. And, and, um, like anything, it takes practice, but practice over time, like it, it don't, didn't always work for me the first time I would, I would use this, um, or the second or third time, but, but I, I so believed in it. And, 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 um, like I said earlier, like it just synced with like who, who I believed and believed about kids that I was like, I, I just worked at it long enough to, to find mm-hmm. the successes in it. And, and then over time you're like, you know, you, you can just walk right in and, and sit in there and, and, and do this with them. Um, so what I, what I, what I, most of the times we experience what, like the kid acts up they're, they're either, they're having a tantrum or meltdown, or you get the dreaded call from school, right? God forbid. Everyone hates those. Every time I call a parent, I'm like, no emergency. Cause they're all like, oh my God, what happened? You're the school's calling me. Right. And, um, but it was, it's just like you, you, we were talking about earlier, like you can't deal with the issue in the moment when you're totally freaked out and, or the kid is. And so that's like the first point of this entire process is just like, you have to take a deep breath, take your calm. And I like to use a phrase I learned over time where I say to the kid, like, or describe the kid depends on the situation. Like when you're calm and in control of your body, then we'll talk about this. And then a lot of times I'll just set a timer and just set it there and they just do their thing or they cry or whatever. It gives, it gives you time to just take a breath and like get yourself calm because when you're, I call it a freaked out state, like the kids can't think normally. They probably wouldn't even be able to tell you their name, like the simplest things, but yet how many times it's in that moment that we're dealing with the behavior and you shouldn't have. And I didn't talk, I didn't teach you that. Like how, how come you, you did that to your teacher, your student, your friend, you know, um, and none of that is teaching them anything. Actually, it's, 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 it's creating a rift in our relationship with them where we want that connection with them, but it's, it's, it's creating a divide and, and it really, they can't even learn. And that's our goal. We want them to learn from this so they can like 
get on with life and be successful and have successful relationships with peers and yourself and behave expectedly in those social situations. So that's like the biggest thing that, that takes time, but to had to learn, um, don't talk and address your kid in that situation. Like, for example, you know, the, the, we hear that the kid did something in the classroom, you know, and the teacher's so upset and they just sent him to the office and da, 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 da. I won't talk to that kid if they're crying, like emotionally upset, they, they're going to, they're going to sit and I let them sit and there's nothing wrong with that till they're calm. Like, I just love that phrase. I love it ever since I learned it. When you're calm and in control of your body, okay, looks like you're ready to talk. It might be a minute out. It might be an hour out. Sometimes it's best to do like two hours out. Sometimes they're so emotionally upset that it, it takes some time to come down from that to where then you can actually talk it through with them. And then here's a picture that I love because, you know, we're, well, you know, they know, they knew better. How could they, right? All those phrases like, or they meant to, or they did it on purpose. And I, and I just sit there and think in the side of my head, I'm like, Nope, that kid actually wants to do well. And if he could, he would. And now we just have to figure out, you know, what's at the root of it. Um, so let them calm down. Let them come to that place of just that when they're not freaked out or they're not anxious or or they're not like still upset. And then it's because sometimes <laughs> kids get sent to the office after recess and at school, we have lunch after recess and the teacher We'll think that that kid's going to be like sitting in there and not, not go to lunch or anything. And they're always surprised and they don't always like this. And I'm like, yeah, he's going to go to lunch. Like I always say behind closed doors, I'm like, even people in prison get to eat their lunch. Like the kid gets to eat and then we'll talk about it. Like they need that time to decompress too. And they're not going to talk to me in that moment anyway. So you might as well, you know, have your lunch and then, and we'll talk to it, talk about it in a minute. So here's two, two like um, starter sentences that are like magic. Either maybe you heard from something from school or from the teacher that, you know, your child did something. So when they're calm and in control of their body, which sometimes by the time they come home from school, that's they're, they're pretty much, they may be, or it'll blow up again at that point. But when they're calm, give it that minute, that 30 minutes, whatever it takes that to, it's okay. Just don't forget about it. But do it when they're calm and when you're calm and use the starter sentence with, I heard you, you know, sat on, you know, whatever you kicked the kid at recess and, and you, you, you know, didn't listen to the teacher and then, but you have to use that very even kill tone voice and you can only have that tone voice when you're calm. Right. And when you're, you're at a place of like, you're, you're not like freaked out and like, you know, frustrated or like the heat's rising, you know, you, your palms are sweaty, your heart's racing. Like those are our signals. Like we gotta, we can't deal with this when we're experiencing all of that. So when you're, when you're in a, a good space or you, if it's something you saw at home, you would say, you know, I noticed you were like really mean to your brother, like after dinner. And then here's the magic phrase. And they're going to put it on my shirt. I swear when I retire, it's what's up with that. And it's a very open, open ended question, but this is the secret that I had from the beginning that I want to share with you. It's empathy that opens the door to connecting with your kid. So, and this is what gets them to talk. If we use the tone of voice that we're talking down at them or we're mad at them, completely shuts them down. You and I have seen that like totally, but they don't know what to do when we talk to them in that elevator tone of voice. Cause they're like, they're so used to adults 
getting upset at them and frustrated at them and, and feeling that emotion that we're upset. So the key is to really just have that elevator tone of voice. I noticed, or I heard you start with those two star sentences, whichever one is right for your situation. What's up with that? And then you just wait and you wait and you wait some more because kids don't know. They, 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 they don't even know how to react to this because no one's ever treated them like this, but the key is to just wait and have them share something, whatever it is. And, and we're not going to be judgmental of anything they say. Nine times out of 10, the kids say, oh, I don't know. <laughs> and this is what I say when they say that. If you did know, what would you say? And again, no sarcasm in my voice, just like on an ele- like you're talking to someone on the elevator. If you did know, what would you say? And they usually say, I don't know. And I say it again. And we just sort of like stare at each other or, you know, they're thinking. And sometimes I'll add, there's no right or wrong answer. Just what's up with that? And then I'll go back to what's up with that? And you're, tr- you're giving them that space that's non-judgmental. And they actually eventually, I know it's that impregnable pause that we all hate, but give it to them because eventually they'll come out with something. And sometimes they come out with the most cockamamie ideas. Like there was a kid once who like was up running around during center time. And the teacher was so frustrated, tried everything. And like, she was at a loss. And when I did this process with the kid, you know what he said to me? He's like, it's too noisy in the room and I can't, I can't work. You can't work. You're the one making everyone for everyone else not to work, right? Not that I said that to him. But what whatever they say, that they're sharing you the next point, they're sharing you their concern. That's what's going to come out at that point. But we can't be judgmental. And as crazy as it might sound, and nine times out of ten, I'm telling you, my teachers are like, well, that's not true. And I'm like, you can't, you got to keep that inside you. Like, you can't think that you got to really like try this for me. And you let them share their concern, but it's not just their concern on the table. Now you have to share your concern. So I would say to that kid, like, you know, I, and that's the empathy piece. You validate their feeling, even if you don't even like believe it, you just go with it. And you say to them, you know, wow, that, that must be really difficult for you. Even if that's the only line you ever learned to say back, it, it helps them say, oh, wow. Like they kind of get it. That's huge for this part of the process. And then you give your concern. Well, you know, I, the teach, or I give the teacher's concern, but you would give it as a parent, like, well, your teacher's concerned that, you know, she's really trying to work with these kids and she's really having a hard time hearing like, so, and then you go into, um, the, either it's a skill, maybe they need to be taught how to navigate in the classroom properly. Maybe it's that skill or it's the problem to be solved. Maybe it's just, and for him, I was like, well, and that's what you, you asked them. If it's a problem to be solved, you say like, well, what do you think we could do to solve that problem? And then you, you're silent. And it's so hard for us because we always are like, you will, you should do this, that, and the other, but you just ask them that question. And usually they don't know what to do because they're not used to problem solving like this, but that's, this is the skill that they're going to learn over time, which is in, in powerful for what we want them to be as adults, problem solvers, but you just let it, let, 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 let give them space, let them just listen to them. Even if they don't say anything and it feels really awkward, you just, you just keep going with it. And then you, you know, you ask them again, like, what do you think we could do to solve this problem? And they'll be like, I don't know. Okay. Maybe just like one thing, maybe we could do differently. And the goal here is to really get them to come up with a solution. Ideally, they want us to come up with three. I always found it so hard to come up with three. I was like, we got maybe one, like a stretch for two if, if we could. And then between those those three, you pick one you'll try first. And then if you have success with it, awesome. So the next thing happens and you do this whole process again. But if that solution didn't work, 
which it might not because we're just trying things like we, we might not know for sure. Then we come back to the table. We're like, Oh, that, that was a great idea, but did that really work out for us? I don't know. That was, let's see, what else could we, what other, you know, solution could we come up with? How else could we solve this problem? And then you come up with something else and then you keep trying till you find what intervention or what solution really creates that success for you. So, oh, it's just so incredible. So like I had this one kid, oh my gosh, he would, he would steal things in kindergarten from a art teacher. And I, I, I did this process with him and, and I forget what he said. He must, I don't know. He just wanted things like he was, he was the youngest in his family going on to first grade. He, he didn't have a better year either. Second grade, like he was just always like in trouble third grade. He like ruined one of the teacher's carpets with like charcoal just cause he really had no reason for it. But through the problem solving, he on his own came up with the fact that he was going to write an apology note and give it to the teacher. Like you, you, you just, and, and I never treated, you know, them punitively. I never talked down to them. I don't yell at them. It's a very positive approach, but this is how they, they learn from that. Actually, their mind is open to learning because they're not being yelled at and that, which makes their self-esteem fall. And then they're like, oh, I'm so bad. And you, you can't learn anything from that in, in that environment psychologically. And so in fourth grade, he, um, oh my gosh, I had parents calling not to put him in the same class with him because he, he was doing stuff in the neighborhoods that was just like silly, stupid stuff that a boy would do. Like this kid just couldn't like just act expectedly, right? Behave expectedly. Well, in fifth grade, I found out he, le- he was into technology. So I taught him how to set up the morning announcements, turn on the computer and make sure the la- announcements I was doing okay when I would do go live and then he'd shut it all down. One simple little thing in the morning that he would do when he came into school, his whole demeanor changed. Like all of a sudden he's like standing up taller. He looks more like open, like fresh, clean, like bright eyes, like, like, like a marked, like physical difference. And and when he would, he, he was on the peed on the wall. So like, I have had a history with this kid, right. But he knew me and he knew, and even the psychologist did a whole like behavior assessment on him and was like, what's one person that you look forward to coming to school to see? And he said, Dr. J. And I know it's because I didn't make him feel bad because of the stupid stuff he did that he was just being a kid for. I mean, I think sometimes we have expectations that the kids should be robots and they should just like do everything perfectly. But they're not, and and they only learn because of the mistakes. But it is embarrassing for us because we're the parents that have to deal with. Oh my god, I can't believe my kid did that. Well, then I taught him how to set up the assemblies for the technology for like the LCD projector. And I was out one day, and they had an assembly, and the whole school was waiting on him. He was like the only one who knew how to set it up. And the teachers were like, "He did such a great job." And I was like, "He did such a great job. He's the kid that you all would <laughs> had difficulty with, right? I mean, he was a challenge, but." you find their strength and you use this process and the kids can like, I, I've just seen them do like a 180, like just, ugh, I am so excited about this. And the most beautiful thing I love about this process is it's really, uh, you connect with the kids and you, I built trust like them. Like if mm-hmm. I had treated him any other way, I don't believe he would have had some of the successes he had, like the most challenging moments that he had and we, and we, I was able to, every time he would come to my office, this is how I treated him. I I've had such success with it. I've seen the benefit of it. And he, he would open up and he would share, and you could see he was comfortable to share. And he was, he found a safe place to really speak. It, it's helpful for him when he doesn't feel that we are upset and mad at him. Well, that's all we've got for this episode of the mom empowerment podcast. 
Thank you so much for joining us today. I can't wait to help you live a happier, healthier life with your kids. Click subscribe today and we can't wait to have you join us on our next episode. Thanks again. And remember, don't worry, be happy. Hey there, it's Karin. I hope that you're enjoying the show. And by the way, if you're a mom who wants to learn how to help your child when they're struggling behaviorally or facing challenges in school, get started today by getting my free short video course on first steps to mom empowerment. Go to www.educationalimpactacademy.com forward slash free video. If you're new here or you haven't done this yet, this is definitely the first step to get started in learning how to have a happy life and healthy life with your kids. So head on over to www.educationalimpactacademy.com forward slash free video and grab your free gift today.